You're listening to the Social Media Addicts Podcast on the phillytech.org netcast network. Sponsorship provided by AWeber at aweber.com slash phillytech. Get Flywheel, optimized WordPress hosting at getflywheel.com. Wistia.com at WISTIA.com and Zoho Mail. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 13, take two. Um, Obviously, episode 13 is a lucky number to some, but to the podcast world and the podcast guides, it's not. So, I'm Seth, your host, and Jody is, I think she might actually be at work today, whereas yesterday she was driving home from um, Florida in her RV. Um, but we're lucky enough to have Howard Yermish, who is a marketer based out in, what, Voorhees? Mount Laurel. I'm in Mount Laurel, exactly. And you probably have seen him on, on Twitter as H. Yermish, and he is quite a nut, so he fits in just perfectly. So Thank you. Hi, Howard. Thank you. It's, I'm glad to be here. And, uh, yes, I am here as a guest host again for the again. same episode. <laughs> same episode, same stories. We're just going to do it again, and this time it's not going to fail. Exactly. So 13 plus 13, you know, it's not 13 anymore. Right, know? this is 13B. This is 13, t- on sc- yeah, exactly, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> so anyhow, let's, let's get started. First off, I want to say, if you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash toss us a dollar a month, every little bit helps, that'd be very much appreciated, so... So, Howard, did you see P- Peter Pan live? I did not see Peter Pan live, and um, part of me is glad because that's not my uh, thing necessarily, but there's a part of me that really missed the train wreck that was apparently Peter Pan live. It was definitely a train wreck, but DiGiorno seemed to like it. <laughs> well, and it's, it's really, really interesting because uh, there's this great article in, in our show notes about whether or not DiGiorno um, did they drunk tweet Peter Pan Live. And when I look at some of their different tweets, there's a part of me that says, yeah, they may have, but they were I think they were just on the edge of um, going over the edge. Of going over the edge, but they walked that fine line. And this is the kind of thing that the when brands do this, it's it's something where, you know, someone in a boardroom would say, No, you can't do that. But when it's actually done, that fine line, walking it that way, mm-hmm. I, it's a brand that I'm now like, I smile. It's, is it going to make me buy more DiGiorno pizza? Well, I don't, that's not necessarily what I buy a lot of, but yeah, certainly. I, you know, give me some brand recognition and I have a nice positive feeling, um, if not a humorous feeling about this brand. Here's so, an example. I believe in fairies. Accurate pizza t- delivery times, not so much. Preheating th- that, preheat that hang. Peter Pan Live. I, I like the that crock would make a great oven timer. Conversation awesome. piece, Peter Pan Live. Like I think that's great. Yeah, I mean some some person I think this is not so much to outsource, you know, customer service people. I think this is more like a brand manager in the company going, you know, I'm sure the people in Nestle, you know, the parent companies of DiGiorno are probably like you did what? Here here's the great thing. Um, they didn't take it down. They didn't apologize. They just did it because there's nothing to apologize for. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a sense of humor, you're probably not following someone on Twitter during Peter Pan Live. I mean, exactly, why else yeah. would you be looking at it? Also, Why else would you be watching Peter Pan Live? Right. And, and the thing to remember is these tweets, 
even though there are different articles that are reposting and republishing them, if you go to the DiGiorno account now, you're not going to see these tweets unless you scroll down specifically for it. So just the very nature of the fact that a tweet goes out there and a couple minutes later, I don't want to say it's gone completely, but it's no longer that real-time conversation. So actually, it. actually, it's searchable now. If you go to the Twitter, yeah. all of them are searchable now. So you can, you know, unless you delete your tweets, they're they're out there. And well, even then, they're out there because someone probably screen capped it. But well, um, the journal also has put their foot in their mouth a few times. Um, they did shaking their head. When someone did not shaking their head, they did um, why I stayed. You know, the whole domestic violence thing after Ray Rice beat up his girlfriend and now wife. They said uh, why I stayed, and it, it made some crack about because I wanted pizza or something like that. And they, they really apologized, and the guy went away for a little while, or whoever did it was fired or whatever. And people were like, no, come back. We like you. It's just, you made a mistake, you know. So well, there's a fine that, line. Yeah, that is definitely that fine line where, you know, if you're going to jump on these events, if you're going to jump on the real time and try to get some notice from it, you have to take some risks, and it's getting good at taking those risks. Understanding that there are certain topics that are fun train wrecks to be part, to be like watching with everybody else, and then there are some things in life that you should stay away. So you know, so I remember there were certain things um, during the Arab Spring where mm -hmm. there were some brands that were saying things like, you know, if they only had our particular clothing line. Our they, spring they collection, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I can't remember which brand it was, but... Oh, it, who was it? I want to say who... Oh, man. Oh, I forget. I forget. But um, it was Michael Kors? No. I, I can't remember, but the whole idea yeah. was that was something where you look at those tweets and you go, yeah, you, that's really in poor taste. Where these, these are just, you know, they're just fun. I mean, so, you know, kudos to, to DiGiorno for taking the risk. And walking that fine line, I am sure they will screw it up again in the future, as is everybody who <laughs> screw it up. Um, but yeah. I would rather, you know, as long as you are on that edge, go for it. Because you can apologize, and then apologize. Make the apology real. Like, hey, yeah, this is what we did. We were trying to play around. It was in poor taste. We're sorry. In this exactly, case, yeah. you know, seriously, it was a train wreck, and everybody was watching and making fun of it. So why not? Mm-hmm. And talking about, talking about possible train wreck and walking the fine line, an old journalism institution, um, the New Republic has been bought by a Facebook co-founder, and they're they're going the way of BuzzFeed, from what it seems like. So, I mean, I, I haven't been a big I haven't been a big reader of the New Republic, but they are an old standard. They've been around since like 1914, and now they're trying to keep themselves relevant. So they're going to more real time and. More BuzzFeedy kind of articles. What do you think? And everyone's going. Everyone's leaving because they're like, "This is not what we came for." What do you think? Well, the sad part is, anytime an old media empire tries to move into uh, the new media and really adjust to it, there are certain things that they should say. This is our identity. We have to keep this no matter what. And the New Republic has a very specific journalistic identity. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. all of those key people are walking out because they don't want to reposition themselves to be like BuzzFeed. Um, and that's, you know, that's going to effectively strip them of that identity. I think the brand may be able to last because most people who aren't on the inside and aren't really paying attention to it, they're not going to know. But if they lose what's special about them, then yeah, why would I go to them versus BuzzFeed? And, you know, not to knock on BuzzFeed, but BuzzFeed's job is to get a lot of traffic and a lot of attention. And if the New Republic says our job is to get a lot of traffic and a lot of attention, BuzzFeed seems to do it the right way. 
Well, Absolutely, who's to say yeah. that they're wrong, except I'm going to stop caring about the New Republic the way that someone used to care about the New Republic in terms of what it did for, you know, from a journalism standpoint. Now it's just going to be another thing that people share on Facebook or Twitter. Um, and it's like, oh, it's from the New Republic. Okay, they're not going to really look at it as an authority. Absolutely, and I feel like that's going to be a, a, their downfall. I mean, they're probably not going to go away. It's just going to be something that they're not going to be taken seriously as much, but, you know. Well, but someone who we do take seriously is our sponsors. Definitely. The first, the first one being um, Wistia. Wistia is a video hosting provider and analytics platform that helps businesses get the most out of their online video. We use it here, and we love them. I mean, they host our videos, and they tell us where people drop off in the videos. They're awesome. Check them out at wistia.com, W-I-S-T-I-A.com. Um, tell them Seth sent you, and Joey sent you, and Howard sent you, and you know they'll make sure they hook you up. And best of all, if you want to try it out, you can get up to 50 videos for free, you know, a free video to try them out and see how their whole platform works. So it's at wistia.com, W-I-S-T-I-A.com, and thanks again for sponsoring the social, social media addicts. <laughs> I can't remember the name of the show. Oh, it's not, I can't blame it on being 9.30 at night because it's only 2.06 p.m. now. Exactly. So that's just me, I guess. So death of social media. Facebook will stop sharing posts that seem overly promotional. Now, I have a beef with this because... I mean, I understand that, you know, we were talking about this last night on version one of the show, um, about how if you want, you know, you used to be able to put stuff out on so, on Facebook pages and it used to show up. Now it doesn't do that. And, you know, less and less people are seeing your organic stuff. You have to pay for it. Now, Howard, last night you were saying a lot about, like we were out for drinks last night. Last <laughs> night when we were out for drinks. No. But last night you were saying you know, how you know, if it works, you're willing to pay for it. What do you think? Well, I, I'm going to hold the same position. I think that we have gotten used to something that we should have been paying for for a long time. If Facebook delivers the customers, you know, Facebook's product is an interested group of people that are interested in your stuff. Well, I've always been willing to pay for it. I've always been willing to pay for that attention in advertising, in marketing efforts. It's sort of a, we got used to not having to pay for it, and now Facebook's business model is to say, hey, isn't this awesome? Now you should be willing to pay for it because you know that it will get you the right amount of attention. So it could mm -hmm. be a little bit of that you know, crack dealer that says, hey, the first one's free, we get you addicted <laughs> to the drug, and then you know, once you're addicted, you're going to keep <laughs> buying it, and you're going to mortgage your house and all that stuff. But look, Facebook's a crack dealer. I like that. Exactly. So... I think about it this way. When I have used Facebook ads for myself, for my clients, those ads work really wonderfully. We get good results. We can target the markets. They work well. It's worth paying for it. So I don't have a problem if Facebook says, look, if you're trying to get around paying for it, then we might deprioritize those posts. Um, I, someone was uh, talking to me about it, and they were saying things like, well, it's freedom of speech. I should be able to say whatever I want, and my friends can see it. And one of the things I reminded them is, well, Facebook is not a democracy. It just feels like it, but it is their platform. They're entitled to show whatever they want when they want. Um, and if you don't like it, you can go somewhere else. Yeah, that's right. And you know what? Will people go someplace else? Nope. They, they might, but... Eventually. Eventually, but I don't see them doing it because they make this change. And I don't no. see businesses abandoning Facebook either, because right now there isn't anything that 
has as much attention and as many people doing it. So what is it? One billion people? It's like it's, it's a lot. It, it's basically that. if you're on the internet and you speak English, you're on Facebook. Maybe if you don't speak English. Yeah, but uh, definitely if you do speak English, it's you know for some people it is the internet. Um, in the mid '90s, oh, for a lot of people yeah, AOL. AOL. Yeah. When I think about how people experienced AOL. Well, that's kind of what Facebook is now. That is where you went. You explored from there. You searched from there. You looked for products from there. That's just a version of the Internet to some people. Um, it would be nice if Facebook let me look at things chronologically in a pretty easy way, and I didn't have to click a million different things every yeah. time I wanted to do it. But look, for the most part, I'm pretty happy with the way stories show up in my newsfeed on Facebook. I see the things that I want. Um, when I first start liking a brand, I see a lot of their stuff. If mm -hmm. I don't respond to it, it kind of goes away. Well, Facebook's looking at it saying, maybe you just clicked like. So it'll, it's, I'm sure that it will work itself out. Businesses will come around, and maybe they'll start realizing that it is worth paying for. Absolutely, absolutely. What might not be worth paying for, I guess my segues are better to this in the morning. <laughs> what might not be get, worth paying for is Uber. Uber's looking a little creepy on their, you know, the God mode where they can watch you in your car. And, you know, there's there was recently a rape accusation against an Uber driver in India, um, and he's now in jail. But it's, you know, Uber is getting too big for its, its you know, adolescent britches, you know, the startup scene. I mean, what do you think? Have you ever taken an Uber? I am not an Uber customer for no philosophical reason. Actually, more from a practical reason, I haven't needed to use it. Um, I'm not. I don't live someplace where I need to get a taxi on a regular basis. I'm not in a city, um, so when I think about Uber's service, it hasn't directly impacted me. However, um, there's a reason why taxi companies reg are regulated certain ways, and why drivers need commercial licenses, and there there's certain background checks that are done. These kinds of things are good things. I don't agree with the taxis lobbying to try to prevent a company like Uber from getting in the business. I'd rather say, look, if people want to be, you know, if we're going to define ride sharing this particular way, and here's a business model around ride sharing, then, you know, let's make sure that those laws are tighter. Let's tighten up the law that says, no, if I'm paying a company and then they're paying some, you know, someone for the ride share, mm -hmm. that's not a ride share. That's a taxi service. And maybe they need to admit that they are just a taxi service that scales and hires based on need, rather than you know ride sharing. They are not a ride sharing service, but they are. I mean, they, I never heard them call themselves that, but apparently they do. Well, it's part of how they get around the laws. Is they're effectively a oh, I'll drive you to this place. Like I can pick you up in my car and drive you somewhere, and you can pay me for gas. So they're just making it easy uh, yeah. for you to find me and me to find you, vice versa. And because I could become an Uber driver if I wanted to, um, but you know I don't have to get the commercial license to do that. And I think you know maybe the growing pains are if they're if it looks like a taxi company and smells like a taxi company, then it's a taxi company. So <laughs> an Uber doesn't want to be defined as a taxi company because that would make them have to compete with taxi companies. And the taxi companies say, we want you to have to compete. Um, so, mm -hmm. it's a again, this is one of those cases where I wanted the taxi companies to innovate the way Uber is innovating. Absolutely. That would have been awesome. Because they didn't, someone was going to come along and do it. And Absolutely. And you know what? It is a rough business, and 
Somebody's got to do it. Someone's got to do it. And <laughs> unfortunately for Uber, they are trying to uh, pick up a lot of broken glass. As they mm-hmm. fight into a market, they break glass, they get cuts. It's going to hurt. Oh, and my God, it hurts. It yeah. hurts It hurts to listen to it. Every week, there's another Uber story of Uber screwing up something. Definitely. And then there's one of the biggest startups out there right now, the biggest funding that I've $40 billion valuation, some crazy number that I can't imagine even getting close to that in anything. $40 billion. Howard, what would you do with $40 billion? Buy a few islands? Buy, well, a, buy, the, buy the country of Yermish? If I was, I was going to say, if I can ha- take that $40 billion and just go somewhere and relax and take some pictures and hang out, you know, that would be fine with me. Yes, absolutely. And we'll get on to more uh, a picture story. That would have been a very good segue if there wasn't a sponsor break, but one company that is not a taxi company, even though that they kind of share the name with a taxi company, is Flywheel, our 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 next sponsor. They are a managed WordPress hosting platform built specifically for designers and creative agencies. Flywheel over at getflywheel.com makes it simple to build, launch, and manage client sites with easy-to-use da- dashboard built from the ground up with modern web designers in mind. They back it up mu- nightly. They they have the fast as heck. I mean, literally, we went from an old server to their server, and it was like night and day. It was incredibly fast. Um, they are they, they kind of they keep all the malware out. They make sure that your sets are secure. Go check them out at getflywheel.com. Tell them Seth sent you. They'll hook you up. They might even send you a T-shirt if you're lucky. They have some pretty cool T-shirts. So, talk about someone who's not secure and is going to get their ass handed to them in court is Sony. Yeah, Sony's Sony's getting beaten up pretty good, um, not just from the actual attack on them with the security breach, but the media is um, really taking them to task. They should. They should. I mean, they basically were warned in advance. Um, In advance of the hack, they knew that someone was saying, if you don't don't do X, we're going to hack you to high heaven. And they didn't you know, whether they didn't take it seriously or not, or they weren't prepared for it, or they couldn't prepare for it. Um, and whether the hack was state-sponsored or just someone who's a very adamant supporter who's uh, doing the hack, these are professionals. And or, an, or an inside job. Or an inside job. However it was done, the people that were doing it, I don't think Sony could have defended against it, even if it had put more security protections in place. I think yeah, they would have been they might have saved themselves from some losses if they said, hey, we tried. Correct. I think the uh, the fact that they really didn't have good security... They had three people. They right. had three people doing security for uh, what, what amounts to a small country in revenue. Yeah. And that, I mean, come on now. That's the kind of part where a uh, someone whose information, you know, when a celebrity's private information gets out there and they have to do things to try to protect that, and celebrities' identities are their careers. So yes. It's that is something where you know there are going to be lawsuits against Sony from the celebrities, from other production people who are going to say, in order to you know make amends for this, this is the amount of money, and it's gonna it's gonna cost Sony a lot of money. Um, it, might put, it might even put the whole entire Sony company out of business. Well, That's just pictures. I, I don't know if it's gonna put them out of business. There's it's a big enough business, and they have enough intellectual property um, that's worth keeping. Uh, it could make them. Uh, for lack of a better term, it could really subvert any contracts in the future where instead of going to Sony Pictures to, you know, produce that movie, they're going to go someplace else because, you know, they don't want to risk that. And then, then that's another thing to go talk about is that they actually, not only did they lose, you know, like passwords and, and scripts and movies that were on release shit, they're all on BitTorrent now, 
they lost people's social security numbers, and that's just people who are actively working at Sony. People in the past that have worked for Sony, worked with Sony, actors, actresses, you know, producers, directors. So, I mean, it's so widespread. If you even even touch Sony's door, you know, going in the front door, you probably were hacked somehow. Like, it's it's ridiculous. You know, the, the hack is like this is probably one of the biggest hacks of all time. Figure it sucks, sucks that. Yeah, I look at it this way. It shows that Sony was very irresponsible. That said, if you ask most companies how they handle their security, you're going to find that they're doing pretty much what Sony does too. Um, having consulted with different companies on their IT strategy and protecting things, um, some of the things that I've you know talked to them about, they look at it as a financial decision. We can only afford to do so much to protect our networks. We can only afford to do so much. We can only store and encrypt. Like There's certain things that they will make compromises on for budget reasons. And, you know, but there's so certain things that, that are like. Well, I think that um, there's an irresponsible approach. They Sony was being relatively irresponsible, as many companies are. So it doesn't forgive them, but it certainly, uh, it, it certainly should be a lesson to every other business out there saying, look, you might make someone mad, and if you do, you will get hacked to high heaven, and if you don't mm -hmm. have any kind of attempt to protect yourself, you're going to be in a very big problem because right now, you know, yeah. uh, they, from an IT standpoint, they crippled Sony, and if they didn't have the adequate backups, if they didn't have, uh, you know, that information, you know, someone else could is they've got copies of the movie, so there are movie theaters who could argue we don't want to give screens to these movies because no one's going to come, so now mm -hmm. Sony, you know, might have to limit their release. Um, it is what it is. I, you know, I don't want to say I feel bad for Sony because I really don't. But I think we should learn the lesson, which is, yeah, security is important. Protect yourself. Do what you can. Um, protect your business. It's real. Um, and you know, maybe, maybe you should budget a little bit more money towards that and take and take your IT seriously. Yeah, exactly. Here's some. Here's you know another company not taking their users seriously. Flickr is selling user photos and not paying the users anything. Um, Howard here is a quite a good photographer, and he's on. There's a link to his Flickr on there. But um, Flickr is trying to sell people's photos that they put up on, on Flickr. A lot of people use Flickr photos because they because people put it up there with Creative Commons. You can use it. Discredit me the, for the work. Um, Flickr is taking that as oh, we'll sell your stuff. And we'll just put your credit line at the bottom saying this is taken by Howard Yermish or Howard, you know, by anybody. Unless you put it on as a non-commercial license or as a, you know, copyright, they're going to use your artwork and they're not going to pay you a dime. Talk about a bunch of schmucks. Yeah, I, I've been a Flickr user for a long time. I put my photography up there. I can tell you that I am investigating other places to put my photography because I always appreciated that I could put an image out there, let people see it, let people use it and give me credit. That was fine. Um, for me, that use was I'm going to share it online and I'm going to uh, you know, use these images for something other than just, uh, for lack of a better term, I'm going to use these images so that I can you know, show off the photography, let people use it for things. But if someone was going to use it for a commercial purpose, they still needed to pay me for it. And... Mm -hmm. The nature of the Creative Commons license was as long as no one's making any money and they just want to enjoy the images, then I'm fine. The moment someone says, I'm going to sell it, then I'm not fine. And 
you know, this is kind of going against the spirit of Creative Commons. Um, and you know what? Flickr, well, Flickr could have come to me and or come to all of its authors and said, hey, you put photographs on our service. We have this new thing that we want to do, and we want to make it easy for you to be able to sell your stuff. So here's what we're going to do. For any of your photos, you can um, opt in or to have all of them opt in to let them be sold as prints. And those prints could be large canvases or prints or whatever, and we're just going to make that part of the website. There are photographers that probably would have been like, this is awesome. I can sell my prints. Just cut me in on the deal. I recognize that if I order a you know a canvas, um, if I put a print on canvas because someone wants to buy it, the cost mm -hmm. of making that one canvas might be expensive. It might be forty dollars. So to sell it for fifty dollars, yeah, I might only make ten bucks because it cost me forty bucks to make the one canvas. Um, there's places that have better deals, but you know, just as, as a, for instance, so maybe Yahoo really isn't making that much money, but they should at least say, hey, the cost to make one is forty. We're going to sell it for fifty, and we're going to give you five. I'd be all over. Yeah. I'd be like, yeah, that sounds great. You know, go for it. I'd love to make my photos sell. You know. The end product is, I would love it if people bought my photos and put them on their wall. That's awesome. But the way yeah. Yahoo handled it with its customers or with its users mm -hmm. is horrible. It makes me uh, want to leave, and I probably will leave. Hey, you put go to 500 picks or something like that, and then you can have your own portfolio, your own website yeah. up there and stuff like that. I can, I yeah. actually, it's yeah, easy enough for me to do it. It's easy enough for me to do it on my own website. I was just using Flickr as another source of, of high-resolution backup. So yeah, a terabyte for free. It's great, yeah. but it's only free if you don't get your stuff ripped off. Correct. And you know what? I can get a terabyte for free in plenty of places. It doesn't need to be Flickr. Exactly. So goodbye, Flickr. I'm going to flick you off. No. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, that was bad. Anyhow, let's, on that note, let's thank A. Weber, our, uh, some other friends of ours. Um, a. Weber is local to the Philadelphia region. They've been in business for 16 years. AWeber helps entrepreneurs, agencies, and small businesses connect with their customers through email marketing. Um, they have a great platform, very easy to use. Um, click and drag interface. I we use them for our email marketing over phillytech.org. Check them out. Go to aweber.com/phillytech. That's aweber.com/phillytech to find more out more and get your first month for just one dollar. Just one dollar gets you. Your first month for free to try them out, give them, take them for a spin, and we thank Aweber for sponsoring us. Onward and upward, Rovio is apparently not going onward and upward; they're going onward and downward. Well, it's all because the only hit they ever had was Angry Birds. Now, yeah, they did they other some versions. Other fun, they had some other fun yes, stuff. They definitely had other fun stuff. They um they have created some really amazing games, other versions of Angry Birds. Um, Al I think it's. Which was it? Um, uh, Alf's lemonade, not Alf's lemonade. Um, um, his, it was a, uh, what was it called? It was a um, amazing Alex. Amazing Alex, and it was a Rube Goldberg kind of thing. Yep, they've done some really great stuff. But here's the thing: it Angry Birds was effectively a pop culture fad that has faded. So yeah, they're laying people off because the hype is gone. Mm -hmm. And that isn't to say that they couldn't produce another pop culture fad. But you know, these kinds of these kinds of things, it's hard to make one of them, and usually it's because of luck. Um, the two guys that originally created Angry Birds probably didn't think that they were going to they were going to show up on the scene and get the kind of fame and fortune and have plushy dolls everywhere. Yeah. 
Timing so, is everything. Yeah, they were at the right place, the right time. Just when mobile uh, mobile games were becoming big, they were there with a really great game that was designed for mobile, not adapted to mobile. And instead, it's adapted. You can play. I think you used to be able to play it on Google Plus. Used to be able to play it on all these other other platforms, and then it was ne- nowhere near as good as you could do it on mobile. Exactly. I mean, I know Howard. You play it when you're in a bunker. Yeah, whenever I don't have internet access and I can't do anything else with my phone, I have a number of games that I can just play, and Angry Birds is one of them. It's I still have a good time with it, but I might play it three or four times over the span of six months um, and for ten minutes total. I really don't play it uh, the way I used to. Back in the day when it first came out, I had cleared the games on all the levels and had three stars at all the levels, and uh, I liked it. It was fun. I got into it, but uh, it certainly... Uh, you know, I don't need to be playing Angry Birds all the time. It's not, uh, you know... It's not making you best. money, you know? No, it's not making me money. So, also, what happened... So, let's move on to the next story. Um, so, YouTube, when people used to upload music to YouTube and with their videos, these stuff used to be either taken down or they would not get any monetary value from their videos. What's going on with this now? YouTube's becoming more transparent? Yeah, it's definitely transparent. What YouTube... Um, has started doing is if you use a particular music track with your video, you can actually um, it'll tell you how using a particular piece of audio affects your uh, you know basically how it'll affect YouTube. Whether it will stay live on YouTube, whether it gets taken down, um, there may be some restrictions. Um, you may not get ad revenue because the ad revenue goes to the music artist if you if you use enough of it. Um, the idea is if you're in the business of making money on YouTube and you use music in there, this gives you that transparency that for a long time YouTube would just say, nope, video's coming down, and you wouldn't really know. I mean, you might know because you're using uh, music on there um, or you're doing something that's effectively using copyrighted uh, material, but at least now there's some transparency. We took your video down because of this. You're not going to get ad revenue because you're using a track this particular way. So the transparency, it's a good thing. At least you know what's going on, and you can correct it for the future or redo the video, put the right soundtrack up that is um, licensed, and you can make some money. Absolutely. I mean, it helps you learn, helps everyone kind of get a fair share. I mean, look, you might put up a thing, you might decide that the YouTube song you put in the video is worth that getting money on it, but you still get to keep the video up there. And then you're like, all right, YouTube's getting compensated for the work you know, the song I did. Next time I'm going to use some Podsafe music. Or, I mean, YouTube has a creator suite where you can get, use music that they either license for you or that they, you know, is Podsafe. I mean, all of our intros are from YouTube's library, and they're pod safe, or they're safe for, you know, re- reuse, because, you know, they're, the artists are getting compensated, or they want to get found, and they want the music out there, so, but let's thank our, before we go over the picks of our week, let's go on and thank our last sponsor, Zoho Mail. Zoho Mail is an email provider, um, they are an alternative to Google Apps, uh, and they provide professional email for your business, um, built and designed for businesses. Uh, it's low cost and professional and has business class features and securities. Check them out at zoho.com slash mail. So Howard, what do you do when you go to an airport and there's one outlet for the well, whole terminal? My pick of the week is this Belkin um, mini travel charger outlet thing. Here's what's great Dang, about this. That's a technical term. All right, so on the back, this is where you would plug into the wall. This part rotates, so I can... All right, i got to push this little button here. 
So I can rotate it so that it goes in this way. I can rotate it so it goes all the way around that way, straight up and down. This is really good whenever you're trying to fit it into a particular location. So that works nicely. On the top, I've got two USB ports. So any USB cable, this is an old iPad charger, um, any of the lightning chargers go in here, and I have nice charge ability for multiple devices for at least two. And then I got three outlets. So now I take that one outlet, I turn it into three, I get two extra USB. When I go to an airport and there's that one outlet that everyone's huddled around, I say to everybody, hang on, I'm going to be your best friend. I pull this out, everyone plugs in, and they go, oh my god, thank you so much. Um, so they make this in a one-port version, which gives you the USB charging in a three-port. Um, it also comes in a six-port. It's a little less portable in the six-port. Um, I like this. This is perfect for travel. Um, whenever I'm in a hotel, whenever I'm somewhere where it's like, it'll be much easier to have all my ports like this. Um, it lets me put this, I can put this on the end of a long extension cord. It's really, really great. This sits in my bag. Um, I'm probably actually not gonna buy myself uh, a couple more of these so that I have them. You know, there's always one in the car just in case. There's always one somewhere. Um, the this particular model is I want to say thirteen dollars or eleven dollars on Amazon. Uh, yes, we checked, we checked that last time. night. Yeah, we and, checked that last uh, night, and I it was um, thirteen dollars for the one milliamp, and then it was like eighteen or twenty-three or something like that for the two point one milliamp. Exactly. Um, there were the number of times that I've used it. Uh, it's I don't want to say it's every single week, but it's I use it very, very frequently. Um, I'm glad I have it with me when I do. So uh, in my when I do things, I tend to like I don't have one charging cable. I tend to do things like I buy five of these, so I can leave one on my desk, one on my nightstand, one in different like I have those charging cables. I'm doing the same Absolutely. thing with these chargers. They're uh, they're pretty great, and for I'll tell you for twelve bucks to have one. Uh, on Why Amazon, not? it's yeah. you know, it's almost like I don't want to say a stocking stuffer because I am from the uh, I am not celebrating Christmas. I'm yeah. Jewish and I'm of the uh, you know I'll be doing Hanukkah, but uh, it's certainly the, the, the tribe persuasion. I look at it this way: this is a one night yeah. gift. You know, it's not the Christmas gift, but it is one night of Hanukkah. There you go. So definitely Amen. worth it. For Amen. Me. And that's my pick. Mazel tov. Yeah, exactly. Sounds good. I know what you're talking about. That's going to probably tell my wife to give me one of those for Hanukkah, too. So. Um, my pick of the week, actually, I have two. Um, we discovered this during the first taping of the show. That there's actually two. Um, they're both screencasting programs. One's for Android. Um, and there's plenty of, of these out there for iOS as well. But for Lollipop, 5.01 Lollipop, the new version of Android, there's a SCR 5-plus screen recorder. It's out of beta, or it's in beta, but it's available to everyone to try. What it does is it lets you use your device, and it lets you screencast what's going on in your device. It picks up your mic so you can talk about it. It also lets you put your video overlay on top of the screencast so you can actually do a professional-looking screencast of an app on your tablet or on your phone. It's really great. And then Howard and I were talking last night over drinks. <laughs> I wish we were drinking instead since it didn't actually turn out. But anyhow, um, is Screencast-O-Matic, how are you use this, what, a $100 program to do his screencast? Yeah, I use a program called ScreenFlow. Um, it's pretty uh, it's pretty advanced in terms of what it does for video editing, but uh, it's pricey, and they do, you know, they do support it and upgrade it, but uh, it definitely costs some serious dollars. Whereas Screencast-O-Matic at Screencast-O-Matic, I think I said that correctly. Screencast O Matic, I didn't say yep. com is a Java based app. Uh, and it downloads to your computer. It's wonderful. The beta app is even better. Um, I think it's like $17 for the year. 
and it's it's cross-platform because it's Java-based. And it, I, I do all the screencast sessions on the network, all those those shows with Screencast-O-Matic until I have to go onto a mobile device to show one of those programs. I'm using Screencast-O-Matic. So check that out as well. So, Howard, thank you so much for doing this twice. No problem. I'm glad I was able to. Next time we have you on, it'll be a different topics. It'll be it'll be different topics. Uh, I'm glad I was able to jump in again this afternoon. Um, <laughs> crazy day for me, but uh, I was able to chisel out some time. Um, but really, thank you for having me on and the opportunity. It's uh it's absolutely wonderful to be part of the podcast. So thank you. And where can they find you? I mean, everyone can see your lower third. Everyone can see my lower third. If you go to howardyermish.com, that's the great starting point. Um, or you can follow me on Twitter at hyermish. Um, it's, uh, I actually have an alternate Twitter profile that is Howard Yermish. Don't follow it because you'll see the picture of me pointing at you saying, you've got the wrong one, buddy. Um, I, uh, <laughs> after enough years of people, um, I learned very quickly that people were using that profile because they would just put my whole name in for Twitter. Yeah. So I made sure that I had that profile and I control it. So I monitor it when people use it and mention me. I say, hey, I think you found the wrong place. You should be looking for me over here. Um, yeah. Easy I enough. Have, I have that problem too. I'm constantly getting this other Seth Goldstein's tweets because I'm at Seth Goldstein on Twitter and he's at Seth, but he's Seth Goldstein. So people think Seth Goldstein's that guy. So they say, "Oh, it was great seeing you last night." I'm like, "I didn't see you last night. I don't even know who you are." I'm like, "Oh, it's for Seth." And so I CC Seth. I'm saying, "Seth, I think this is your mail." Yeah. Your tweet. And he said, "Thank you, Seth." I'm like, "Anytime, Seth." So. On that note, this has been another edition of the Social Media Addicts podcast. Tune in next week when Julia will probably will not be in a RV or Winnebago going into Florida. She'll be on the show. And we'll be sure to have Howard back on the show real soon because he's a real joy to have on here and a real oh, trooper for doing you. it again. So thank you, Howard. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. All right. Take care, guys, and I'll see you next week.